The views, information, and opinions expressed in this podcast are solely those of the speakers and do not represent Holding Short Media nor any organization that the speakers have been, currently are, or will be affiliated with. short podcast. I'm your host, Laura Matheson. Today we are joined by Anna Julia. Anna Julia found her way towards aviation when she finally began to listen to her inner voice. To quote Anna Julia, there was never really any sign or indication to follow a career in aviation. I just traveled a lot. It felt like I was raised on an airplane. I would always find a sense of comfort when I would watch the flight attendants. Anna Julia followed the quote-unquote expected path of going to university after high school, but still wanted something interesting and exciting. Having graduated with a bachelor degree from the University of Toronto in human evolution and archaeology, she found herself dreaming once again about travel. Quote, whenever I would go on archaeological excavations, I was more excited for the plane ride and the new destination. I figured I was meant to be in the sky. Anna Julia left archaeology and applied to be a flight attendant, finding herself back in school at Georgian College, working towards the aviation management program. Fast forward a few years later, Anna Julia now works in airport operations. I truly could not be more excited to have her join me today. Welcome, Anna Julia. Hi, thank you for having me. I am so excited to have you. We met a few years ago at the CWIA conference, and I have always thought your role has been so interesting, so I'm just so excited that you finally were able to make time and join us. Oh, thank you. I absolutely love that you're doing this. This is such a fun project. It's been very, very neat. I feel very lucky to get to do this with uh, my friend Cameron as our producer. Oh, that's amazing. So with that, we will jump right on in. How did you get your start in aviation? So it kind of all began when I was little. I used to go to Europe every summer growing up. And I remember I would sit in the airplane and be like, dad, look at those flight attendants. Like, it's probably so hard to become a flight attendant. And their dad would be like, yeah, 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 whatever. And growing up, I just constantly saw flight attendants and thinking, oh my God, this is so cool. But I had no background on aviation or exactly what flight attendants and pilots did. And I was just kind of brought up to think, okay, you go to university, you do your nine to five, you go home, and that's that's your life. And I started doing that when I was working in academia. I was very nine to five. And although it was such an amazing experience and lifestyle and degree, it just didn't resonate with me fully. So on a wimp, I came back from living abroad and I decided to apply for a flight attendant position. No idea why I did that, but I did. And then almost a year later, I heard back and got an interview. And the first thing I thought was, yeah, like, let's do this. And yeah, the rest is history. I became a flight attendant and I just really loved the industry so much. I wanted to learn more about it. So I decided to go to college and now I'm in airport ops. So I love that for you, traveling as a child, getting to be part of sort of an aviation experience, for you, it was seeing the cabin crew members, that that was like, oh, wow, these are the aviation professionals. Yeah, even now, I'm at the airport watching flight attendants and pilots walk around like, oh, my God, this looks so amazing. Like, they're so beautiful. And I really, really do miss being a flight attendant. However, it was just not the job for me long term. And now being in airport ops, I remember my, I think I was a month in, my director looked at me and he's like, welcome to the rest of your life. Once you're in airport ops, you don't leave. And 
I totally believe it. I can't imagine myself in any other area of aviation. I know originally when we started the show, we would ask people what their dream job in aviation was. And people mm-hmm. either could very clearly say it's this exact job, or I don't know, there's so many jobs out there. I, I don't want to rule anything out. I'll, I'll see what happens. And I think with uh, rather with airport ops, there are so many different facets. There's so many different options that even just sort of saying, I'll be in airport ops for the rest of my life. Well, there's all these different jobs that you could have within that. So I could definitely see how it becomes a long-term uh, area that you end up in. Yeah, but truth be told, if I can have any job in the world, I would choose flight attendant. How do you focus on maintaining a work-life balance with your role? Um, so for me, what really helps is just sticking to my mindfulness and meditation practice. In the morning, I'm, I have about a 15-minute walk to work. So what's nice is I think I go into work mode. I'm like, all right, so right now I got to go to work and these are the things I need to do. I have my to-do list, my checklist all my daily reminders, my emails, I'm like, okay, I'm at work, I'm at work, I'm going to get through this. And when I walk home, I have also those 15 minutes, I think of, okay, now I'm life Anna, I don't need to think about work, I don't need to worry about my checklist, my project due tomorrow, I just need to enjoy being home right now. And I think that's really cool, because you kind of, it's like a Hannah Montana, you get the best of both worlds, right? You get the working, (laughs) the working, the nine to five, And then you get your own personal life. And even though, yeah, like they kind of go hand in hand because they both take up such a 50% of your life each. I think that 15 minutes of really like meditating, you're like, okay, now I'm letting go of work, Anna. Okay, now I'm entering life, Anna, which is really nice. So that's how I keep my balance. I will always now think of work-life balance as the Hannah Montana of having the best of both worlds. Hey, it's aviation related, right? The world. I love it. I think that's such a great way of explaining. That's how better can you explain work-life balance other than a little bit of Hannah, a little bit of Miley, but knowing when the wig comes off. Yeah, no, that's exactly what it is. It's your work clothes coming off. So what suggestions would you have for someone who potentially like me has a very poor work-life balance and would like to be better at taking care of themselves and having that boundary? Well, the boundary starts with you. I don't think it begins with your work or your work life. I think creating boundaries comes from a personal, like your personal life, just creating boundaries with your friends, your family. um, And then work comes into it, right? So you think of, okay, well, when I'm at home, I just want to focus at being at home. And it is, it's difficult to create those boundaries. So maybe you can do like little, like little periods. Okay, for five minutes, I'm just going to be at home. And then I can check an email. Okay, let's try 10 minutes. Okay, maybe I'll check an email now. And just kind of sit and feel how it feels. So feel what it feels like when you don't have to worry about work. You get anxious, you get nervous thinking, oh, I'm not productive right now. I should be thinking about work, work, work. And sit with that and question yourself, well, why am I nervous? Like, figure out what the deep root is. And it's really cool because you can use this practice in every area of your life. So my suggestion would be just really tapping into your feelings and your emotions and saying, okay, why am I stressed out that I'm not thinking of work? I love that you've focused it in on sort of being reflective and having that moment with yourself to say, okay, what's really the issue here? Is it that I don't feel productive? Is it that I feel guilty somehow that I'm finding time for myself and being restful. I recently I've tried to avoid waking up and immediately going on my phone to check social media and immediately getting bummed out and feeling 
bad about myself, comparing myself to others before I'm even out of bed and my day has started. And just, I mean, it might sound more silly to start my day with news podcasts, but just sort of focusing on the world as opposed to the social media world has been a very small step in slowly having a better work-life boundary and even just life and social media boundary. Yeah, um, that's definitely a boundary. I know I struggle with that too. And unfortunately, we do live in the society that glamorizes go, 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 and that busy life. And then when you stop and think, oh, like I'm not working for that five minutes, I must be lazy, there must be something wrong with me. But studies even shown that you can't be productive if your cup is empty. Mm -hmm. So how can you even focus at work and give it all if your personal life is empty? I mean, we're sort of touching back on maybe a cabin crew concept, but the idea of your own oxygen mask that you have to don yours first before you can help someone else with theirs. And it is at the core of it. You need to make sure that you are well, that you're taking care of yourself. And um, exactly. You can't give your time and attention to work or other people in your life if you're not putting yourself first. Now, how do you think your background as a flight attendant influences the way you approach your role now? Um, so I think what really helps is when you're a flight attendant, you're not just a flight attendant, you're a nurse, you're a teacher, you're a medic, you're, you're everything, you're a caregiver. And what kind of really helped is you kind of take on these different personas and you learn how to apply them in your work life and your everyday life. And I think what really helped is expect the unexpected. So when you're at work and something happens, you can tap into different different modes. So I think that really helps with airport ops is for instance, if we have an emergency at the airport, it's okay, right now, this is what matters. I need to go into emergency mode. I need to figure this out. And it's the same as flying. If we had a medical on board, it's like, okay, I'm no longer a flight attendant. I am a um, first aid officer. I need to help this person. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, cabin crew members, they wear so many hats. I, people sort of, I think the idea of cabin crew members just being there to serve food and be glamorous is uh, slowly moving away. I think people are moving away from that concept overall. Um, Cabin crews do so much. I'm always amazed at the training, everything that they need to focus on. Again, I I can manage people on the ground. I don't want to do it in the sky. I have nothing but respect for anyone who takes on customer service and safety and everything that goes with that. And then also finds time to ask if I would like tea or coffee. Like that's, there's so many th- bigger things happening than what type of hot beverage I would like. So I, I have nothing yeah. but just pure admiration and respect for cabin crew. Yeah. It's kind of wild thinking I was in my early twenties and I was in charge of like a hundred passengers <laughs> on an airplane. So um, you really do have to learn to be responsible and take charge. Um, I've actually had flights where I would hold people that were having panic attacks. They would just lay on my lap and it was kind of awkward. I'm like, so like, what if I do? But I understood in that moment, they just really needed someone. Mm-hmm. No, and there's, that's not a job that everyone can do. And it takes a very, I sort of say a specific breed of people that know how to manage someone who's having that and say, okay, you can't get off the plane right now. I'm really sorry, but let's work through how to manage this in the moment. Again, how do you not just have anything but pure admiration for cabin crew members? I commend you for knowing how to manage someone who's uh, in that state. Thank you. And just the point you made, it's kind of like at work, okay, we can't leave work right now. We need to manage this. We need to figure this out. Mm -hmm. 
Now, what is the most rewarding aspect of your job? Oh, boy. So I actually have um, this memory. And this was probably the moment where I was like, oh, like, I love what I do. So it was a few months ago. And I guess the borders were opening up. And I had an older gentleman call me and ask me questions about the airport on if there's a coffee shop close by or um, just some sort of location to eat. And I gave him some advice and he said, well, my brother is flying down and he has a connecting flight. Is he able to come see me and then get back on his flight? And then I explained to him like the details and the procedures. And I swear he started tearing up. He's like, this is so great. I haven't seen my brother in two years. And that moment for me was just, it just reflected so much customer service thinking, wow, like just answering the call and helping a gentleman out for less than five minutes can really have a huge impact on people. No, I, I remember in my own experiences with, uh, I mean, as a customer service rep in aviation, everyone's flying for a different reason. And mm-hmm. I mean, you have people who are flying for business and people who are flying for personal reasons. I would have someone, a new mom saying, can you hold my baby while I get the stroller? <laughs> set up at the at the base of the bridge and you're just sort of there like hello little human hi that's was that your first flight and other times you're having someone who's elderly or they they I remember one case that there was someone taking their last flight they knew that that they were not going to live that much longer beyond this trip that they had just taken and sort of thinking oh my goodness I'm seeing life at the beginning and I'm seeing life more towards the end and I haven't left the airport (laughs) I'm still me, but life is happening all around me. And I just get to be part in um, a, like a small way of helping people sort of get on with their lives. Yeah, that's really the beauty of aviation is really you are literally bringing people together and you have a huge impact on their lives. And I don't know any other company that really can say that. Now, while pursuing your aviation and airways management diploma at Georgian College, you founded Georgian Skies. What was the goal of this group and how did it come to be? Um, So Georgian Skies for me, what it meant was coming together and creating a community on campus. It really was just about equality and giving everyone a seat at the table. And what was so nice about it, that it brought everyone together. And I think the biggest accomplishment was we finally had a voice and we gave people a voice. And for the first time, some people were listened to. And I think what's really disappointing is creating a society on campus about equality in 2022 seems a little far-fetched because we have just come so far in our society, like women in aviation, equality in aviation. It's a little unfortunate that we still have to create these groups and build awareness. And I think what was so important with me in Georgian Skies was we were beginning to start that awareness and giving people a voice. And at the end of the day, I think a lot of us just really wanted to be heard. And that was nice. We got to share our stories and really put ourselves out there and let people think that there is so much more to aviation than the white men. No, and I mean, the the core of aviation for so long has traditionally been straight white men and other groups were excluded and not traditionally included in aviation on the basis of not conforming to that and just not being that. Um, I'm often, I often used to remark at how few women there were when I would be in an aviation context, but realizing, no, it's not just that there's not that many women, 
there's not a lot of people of color. Uh, we're not seeing a lot of indigenous people. We don't see a lot of people who are openly LGBTQ plus that a lot of, from my perspective of being a straight white woman in aviation, I noticed first that there weren't a lot of other women, but there's not a huge variance um, overall. It, it is slowly changing, but it is important to still bring attention and give groups that have been traditionally excluded from aviation a voice and a platform. It, it does seem odd, as you say, in 2022 to be thinking about these things, but it still matters and that representation still matters. Yeah, I totally agree. And I think a big thing is there are these um, groups in aviation, however, they just weren't given the voice to speak up yet. And that's so cool about Georgian Skies is speaking up and encouraging people to think, oh, wow, like, yeah, I'm quote unquote different, but I have a voice and I deserve to be heard. And I think that was a big thing we wanted to do with Georgian Skies. For your work with Georgian Skies, Georgian College presented you with their Changemakers Award. You have been invited to speak at the 2019 CWIA conference on the topic of being too much as a young woman and aviation professional. And in 2021, you were recognized as one of Wing Magazine's top 40 under 40. What does it mean to you on a personal level to have been recognized this way? So on a personal level, um, not to toot my own horn, but I think it's kind of cool. And what I think is so cool about it is it really shows that one idea and one thought can really make a huge difference in the world. And if I can do it, anyone else can do it. And I think for what it means for me is just really following my intuition and staying true to myself. And I really hope it encourages other people to speak up and tell their story and just to know that anything is possible for them. And I'm not out of the ordinary person and I'm just your average girl. And I think people should know that they can do anything they want to. And it's really cool that just one idea can really make a huge influence. It's not you tooting your, your own horn. You are this cool. You deserve to be recognized. You've done cool things. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I think um, we're all such cool and interesting human beings. And I really hope this podcast or Georgian Skies or all those fancy awards and titles really give people the courage and confidence to go out there and speak up for themselves and know that they can really make a difference. Now, as mentioned, you were invited to speak at the 2019 Canadian Women in Aviation Conference. How did that come to be? So I was actually, um, I don't even remember, I think I was Googling conferences and women in aviation and a link came up and I reached out to the organization and I said, hey, like, I would love to volunteer for you guys, however I can. And they responded, that's amazing. How about you speak to speak (laughs) in the conference? And my first thought was like, oh, no, I'm the worst public speaker. I get so nervous even during this podcast. I so nervous and my first instinct was like you're always going to be nervous so just do it <laughs> you can be nervous sitting and talking to yourself or you can be nervous and sharing your story in front of hundreds of people and it was really cool I won a scholarship and they flew me out and I had this whole speech prepared and every time I read my speech uh, it brought tears to my eyes and it was it was that time where I'm like, okay, you know what, this one idea, like I need to share this idea with a lot of people. 
No, I think you touched on a great point there, which is that you can be afraid, you can be nervous, but not to the point that you miss out on the opportunity that's ahead. Not that we're some big opportunity here to be on the show, (laughs) but this idea of you need to sort of learn how to be outside of your comfort zone. And that can be very challenging. Yeah, it can definitely be very scary. And I think um, this podcast and the organization is amazing and you guys are a big deal. So um, definitely credits to that. But yeah, my first thought was, okay, well, I can sit here and regret not speaking or I can just go up there and freak out for five minutes. So which one weighs heavier? Exactly. And then I remember you speaking. It was my first time going to the CWIA conference. And I remember watching you present and your topic of being too much. That was something that had resonated with me. I mean, the whole conference was phenomenal, but I'm wondering, could we maybe touch more on being too much and sort of where that discussion came from? The, the speech had to do about how society tells women that we need to be a certain way. We need to do this, 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 and this. And if you don't do that, you're not considered a quote unquote real woman. So my speech was about how some women and all women should actually speak up and stand up and take up space. And we're told, oh, well, you're too emotional. You're too clingy. You're too loud. You're too happy. And it can be seen as something negative. But my whole speech was about, well, who cares if you're too much? You're allowed to take up space. Who cares if you're too emotional or you're too happy? Why are people so concerned on how you feel? And I think it makes people very uncomfortable and getting out of your comfort zone is a huge, it's scary, right? Doing something new. And I guess my big speech was, it's okay to be too much. And like, what does too much mean? Like, why is someone going to come up to me and be like, well, Anna, like you're too nervous. All right. (laughs) Why does it matter if I'm too nervous? And then, or you're too loud. And then if you're in a room and they're like, oh, you're so quiet. Like, what's your problem? Why are you so quiet for? So I really do believe us as women, we're allowed to be too much and we're allowed to take up space and we're allowed to have loud voices. And who cares if we're too much? Who are you to tell me I'm too much? Now, what importance do you place on mentorship? Um, A lot, actually. I think the important thing is to not give the person the answers, but to teach them how to find the answers on their own and to understand that no one can have the same path as you. And I think what's really great about mentorship is you learn how this person got to A, B, and C, but you don't copy that A, B, and C because their path is not your path. And I think what's really cool is once you teach someone to find the answers themselves, they can use that skill forever in life. And then they can help other people learn how to find the answers. It's easy for me to sit here and give a mentee, okay, this is what you have to do. You have to do A, B, and C, and D. And then they take that information. They're like, oh, well, B didn't work for me. What do I do? And it's like, error, error, error. (laughs) But I think what's really important with mentorship is teaching that person, well, here's A, B, and C, and D. But it's okay if A and C don't work out the way you want them to. And if they don't work out, well, how can you find the answers? How can you find the answers to all the questions you have? And I'm here to support you. But at the end of the day, I'm not going to give you the answers. And I think mentorship is so great because we should all have someone to look up to, someone to listen to us. And it is amazing what we can achieve when we are supported. 
I, I love how you have this focus on, I don't want to tell someone I did it this way. So do it this way, but rather acknowledging that every mentee you have is different and they're different from each other and they're different from you. What advice you give to one person may be very different than the advice you give to another mentee who could be sort of in a similar spot in their career, but in their personal lives, completely different. And one of the better mentors that I, I mean, I have a lot of great mentors, but one of the better ones, I think makes a big point of sometimes saying to me, cause I'll know other mentees that they have saying, I told this person X because that makes the most sense for them. I'm telling you why, because that's what makes the most sense for you. So don't talk to each other and say, we got contradicting advice. What is the actual answer here? I'm trying to genuinely take you on as an individual from my experience and share what I can that makes the most sense for you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, that's a really great way of putting it. And I think at the end of the day, we all have different goals too, right? So if someone were to come up to me and be like, well, I want to work in airport operations, I'd be like, okay, cool. And if they ask me, well, how do I get into it? I'm like, well, how do you think you get into it? What do you think is the next step? What resonates the most to you? Do you want mentorship? Do you want to go back to school? What works for you? And then they can sit there and be, oh yeah, like, I really like this idea. I should really look into this. And I think mentors give really, is a really good program because it makes them ask so many different questions. Wow. Like, yeah, if I had chose airport (laughs) ops, there are certain things I think that are interesting from an aviation and sort of management perspective that like, oh yeah, if I had work, I'd probably want to focus on these facets. So no, I think that's an excellent point of, okay, how do you want to get into aviation management, airport operations, because there's all these different things that you can focus on. So which ones work for you? Mm -hmm. Like, it's easy for me to say, okay, cool, go back to school. But what if they can't go back to school? And then I don't want them being upset with themselves or angry thinking, oh, well, I'm such a loser. I'm never going to work in airport ops because I can't go back to school. So I think that's what's really important about mentorship is understanding and meeting the person where they are at. Who is someone in aviation you admire and why? This is the question that's going to make you the answer that's going to make you laugh. So, of course, the community. I absolutely admire the community. But I also want to quote Snoop Dogg when he says, I want to thank me. I want to thank me for believing in me. And I think what's super important at the end of the day is you really have to admire yourself as a person and just sit back and think, wow, like I did these things. And it's because of me that I pushed myself it's because of me that I supported myself and never gave up and what's wrong with admiring yourself it doesn't seem conceited or cocky and we all need that confidence and whenever I saw that Snoop Dogg video I laughed because the first reaction you would have if a woman was saying that well who does she think she is but if Snoop Dogg's saying it everyone's like yeah this is amazing like go Snoop Dogg and I think that's what's really important. You have to admire yourself. You have to be your best friend, your cheerleader, your supporter, because if you're not going to do it for yourself, you can't assume other people are going to do it for you. And I think that's a huge thing with aviation specifically is having to admire yourself and then also admire a community that helped you become the person you are. So there is no specific person, but I think it's just aviation as itself. I love this answer. I, I'm always so intrigued by who is usually the person that oftentimes we have someone that can name someone specifically. Other times it's, it's 
so many different people, I'd be remiss to name everyone and miss someone. Um, but this idea of you first and being able to admire yourself. Uh, I remember hearing that the longest relationship you'll have in your life is the one that you have with yourself and trying to focus on the good times and the bad and knowing how to work through your own challenges and to be proud of the work you've done. It's one thing for other people. It's one thing to be doing something because other people are going to be proud of you. It's a whole other thing to do something because you're going to be proud of yourself. Yeah. And even with the mentorship, right, you can get all the information you want, but at the end of the day, it comes down to you and what you're willing to do and what you're willing to do and sacrifice and risk. And I think a lot of people in the industry really did take a lot of risks to get where we are. And even with Georgian Skies, Georgian Skies was a huge risk. I did not know what type of comments I would get or a backlash. And it was just that risk of standing up and thinking, well, this is what I want to do. And I deserve to be heard. You are someone that really focuses on wellness and mental health and work-life balance. What advice did you have for our average listener? Um, this is going to sound really harsh, but be prepared to fail. And when you do fail, be proud that you tried something new. And I think a big thing is we're so afraid to try new things because we're scared of failure. But the truth is you probably will fail and that's okay. And one of my favorite quotes is it's okay to suck at something new. You're doing this for the first time. You're not supposed to be pro. And the best advice I would give is it's okay to fail and just take pride in failing because you did something new. You did something you have never done before. And I would be more concerned if you were pro the first time you did something new. And the more you fail, the better you get. And it goes back to that whole Snoop Dogg quote. I want to thank me. I want to thank me for not giving up. And even when things get hard to just keep going. And yeah, that's the biggest advice I can give people. And it's so okay to fail. And it's so, I really think we need to get rid of that stigma on there's something wrong with you because there is nothing wrong with you. And a big thing with wellness and mental health is acknowledging who you are right now is complete and you don't need to change things about yourself to make yourself unseen. And you deserve a voice no matter what and where you are in life right now. And that's my biggest advice is you are allowed to take up space. You are allowed to be proud of yourself. You are allowed to fail and still be proud of yourself because you tried something new. And at the end of the day, it really comes from within. And forever quoting Snoop Dogg, you really have to thank yourself. And that's probably the best advice I could give someone. I really wish that advice was given to me because I know I failed at a lot of things in life and I took it very personal. And now when I fail at little things in life, I think, well, how cool is that? I just tried something new. I have to say, I remember really failing at something for the first time. Like, I mean, you don't pass something, you don't do as well as you'd hoped on maybe a test, but to truly outright just fail something or not be good at it and learning how to be okay with that. How do you, how do you move forward emotionally? How do you pick yourself up? Um, the weight off my shoulders when I realized, okay, I'm new at something. No one expects me to be good. They expect me to be a beginner. There's a certain baseline that they expect of me, but that's okay. I meet that baseline. I don't need to be the wonder of, oh, you're a natural at this and learning how to, to fail, 
and learning how to be okay at not being the best right away was life-changing and uh, was a huge weight off my chest. And that's where like support and mentors and communities really help is you having someone there for you when you do fail. And I think a big thing when I thought of when you were telling your story was, well, how cool is it to when you prove someone wrong? How cool is it when someone thinks so little of you and thinks you're going to fail and then you do the thing and they're just in shock. And I think that is what was so amazing about Jordan Skies is because I did have an individual basically implying that I will fail. And all I could think about was really, okay, watch me. And then when we had our first conference, they reached out to me to ask if they can present at the conference. And I think that for me was, it was a really nice feeling knowing that there were people who did not support me, but I managed to do it because I had other people who supported and really encouraged me. And that really balances out. Now, would you share a favorite memory or highlight from any point in your career so far? I have so many heartful um, moments in aviation. And I think a big part of it was how the airport came back from COVID-19 and Porter came back and started flying again. And I think what was so amazing to see how the whole organization came together just to really support one another and work through this pandemic. And the day we had Porter come back, we actually went outside, we took pictures, they did the whole water canyon over the plane. And that was such a monumental um, moment, especially in aviation, right? Because we just, we got hit so hard. And that was probably one of my best moments in airport ops. But I think one of my favorite moments, and this goes back to being a flight attendant, I loved wearing my uniform. I loved walking around the airport in my uniform and I would have like some kids sometimes be like, mommy, look, it's the flight attendants. And that for me was just, it was such a proud moment representing an airline that represents our country. And I think what's so cool about airport ops is representing an airport that is, that represents Toronto. And I really like those moments. You feel like you're a part of something bigger than what you really are. Say I was on the the other end of the the Porter return. I was part of their uh, suspension of operations and sending the last flights out of Ottawa for the foreseeable future at that time. And how great it would have been to have been on the ground, getting to watch the first flights coming back in Toronto. Yeah, it was really cool. And aviation, such a unique industry, and I sacrificed a lot to get here. Um, not sure if you know a little bit of my background with my undergrad and all the archaeology projects and I worked so hard for in five years and I absolutely love those times and one of my dream jobs is a museum curator but nothing lights me up the way aviation does and I am so fortunate that I am surrounded by people who like aviation just as much or <laughs> just maybe a little bit more um, not to call him out, but my partner is obsessed with aviation. <laughs> and whenever he sees a plane, he's like, oh my God, it's that plane. And I just roll my eyes thinking, all right. <laughs> uh, but it really is a unique community. Like, I don't think anyone is in aviation on a whim. Like, I really think it's because we're truly passionate about some aspect of aviation. 
that's why we're doing it. And I think it's so cool to say that we can actually, we actually followed our dreams. And some people dream of being pilots and flight attendants since they were kids. And it's so cool to see their dreams from childhood come true. And even though some people might not dream about airport ops, but maybe they dream of watching airplanes take off all day. And I think that's really admirable. Now, before we wrap up today, where can our listeners find you on social media? So I am on LinkedIn as my name. So Anna Julia and my last name, S-I-R-G-H-I-U-T-A, which can be found in the caption here. And my Instagram is AnnaJulia.xo, where I'm actually a mindfulness coach. So if you want to follow along on that journey of improving mental health and meditations, that's where you can find me. Anna Julia, thank you so much for joining me today. Awesome. Thank you so much. I'm so excited that you're doing this project. This was so great. The Holding Short Podcast is a production of Holding Short Media. The show is written and hosted by me, Laura Matheson, and edited and produced by Cameron Bokoff. Our music is an original composition of Riley Searle. If you would like to learn more about the show, the Holding Short Podcast is on Instagram and Facebook at Holding Short Media. Please subscribe, rate, and review us.